What would you do if you could do anything? Welcome to The Purpose Effect. I'm Elena. Join me for weekly conversations on purpose with women who have found it and are impacting their worlds with it. But improv is, you know, you just have to be present and you just have to listen to uh, what your body is telling you and also what the other person is saying to you. And I think those are just great life lessons in general, being present and listening and just um, accepting as well. Because, yeah, the first rule of improv is yes and. I speak to women who are building businesses, have turned their passions or side hustles into careers, or have dedicated their lives in service of others. I hope that by collecting these stories, I can offer you tangible lessons on how to discover, build, and grow purpose in your own lives. So let's get started. On The Purpose Effect this week, I'm talking to comedian Luita Hanna Randawa. In 2020, Luita debuted her multimedia comedy show, Introvert, here in Kuala Lumpur, which was then accepted to be performed at the inaugural NYC Asian Comedy Festival in New York. However, the COVID-19 pandemic put an end to her plans to continue touring the show, and she began creating a series of cringingly funny videos for Instagram, exploring the absurdity of COVID life. Comedian Ted Alexandro once said, comedians are thinkers, and the best ones are akin to philosophers. This is certainly true when it comes to Luita. This started out as a conversation about creating her own opportunities when COVID closed all the comedy clubs. But it became a conversation about astrology, the meaninglessness of life, and how we might all be able to live more presently if we follow the first rule of improv. Yes, and. Hi, Louisa. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. And thank you also for providing some much-needed laughs and light moments over what has been an extremely heavy uh, 18 months, almost two years now for many of us. Um, Also seems to have provided quite a lot of material for you uh, to use in your work, uh, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, But just before we got on this call, I was scrolling through your Instagram and watching some of your videos and you did a series about like dining in again, what it's like when things open up and we can dine in again. And so many of those moments resonated with me. I've said really weird things to people (laughs) who have asked to see my little COVID badge and my uh, COVID tracing app. And, and I also have had so many weird moments, particularly with greetings. Um, I don't know how to greet anybody anymore. <laughs> you can't hug them. You certainly can't kiss them. Uh, I think fist bumps are weird for me. So I just sort of stand there and bob. Um, I don't know what to do anymore. So yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thank you for making me realize that that's everybody and it's not just me. You're most welcome. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I wanted to start uh, with my favorite question and the question that I ask all of the guests um, that come onto the Purpose Effect, and that is, what does purpose mean to you? I think 
I mean, like, you know, we all come into this world really without our uh, permission, really. You know, um, it's not something we asked for. (laughs) And I think getting through life is quite difficult, I would say. I would say that life is quite a struggle. That's um, the philosophy that I take. Yeah, like, sure, you know, like, things like love, um, you know, make that struggle less uh, of a struggle, you know. But also, like, something that you're reaching towards also kind of um, makes it less of a struggle. And I think that's what purpose is, you know, just knowing yourself and what you want out of kind of this earthly life. I think, you know, humans are so fragile that we just kind of cling on to anything that gives us some kind of sense of order or or control. Uh, And in a sense, that's beautiful. And I think that's where the purpose comes into it. You know, it, it does give you some sense of order and control. Conversations on purpose with a nihilist. <laughs> I guess more of a pessimist. I guess you could say. <laughs> a pessimist. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be an interesting chat. You and I are very different. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to see, I think I'm mostly an optimist. Okay. Yeah. I think like you, I mean, like, I think it, it happens a lot with comedians because I think comedians have a particular kind of mind where they're always thinking about things. And they think about, you know, the smallest things to the biggest things. And I think this is where people really underestimate comedians because, you know, like they just think we're clowns and we just put on funny faces and all. But it's 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 really not because we're the people like kind of trying to deconstruct what it means to be alive. And I think you'll you'll always have a great conversation, I would say, with with a comedian offstage because they're always going to have an opinion about something and they'll just back it up with like, by making you laugh because they'll always like, we, we don't take anything seriously. There's nothing sacred to us, uh, you know, nothing at all. So, and I think it's a, it's a great way. I think it's a gift to be able to look at life like that. And I don't think a lot of people can do that, but comedians really can. Yeah. Um, yeah. So through all of this, how did you discover your how did you discover your writing ability and also that you were a comedian (laughs) um I think uh just naturally my mind uh like I have one of my intelligences is language so it's um I find I'm, I'm I'm find it quite easy and um you know just things like writing I mean I did well at school in languages. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was always there. It's, it's part of how my brain works. In terms of comedy, like, because I, I studied theater and drama for a long time, like, all through high school and into university, and um, just kind of through that journey, kind of being exposed to different types of text, plays, films, uh, I just realized that I enjoyed... Um, comedy more than kind of drama or melodrama. Um, and, and so that was kind of how I found the comedy route. 
Yeah, you can see that in your work that you're naturally very good with language because you use a lot of wordplay. Um, it's ironic. It's very dry. It's quite different from what is mainstream in Malaysia at the mm. moment. Uh, so how are you finding growing audiences here in Malaysia? Very hard. I'll okay. be honest with you. It's very hard because you're right. It's um, it's just not, broadly speaking, uh, to Malaysian taste. Mm-hmm. Or so, at least the Malaysian mass taste. Yeah, the mainstream taste. Sure. Yeah, there are pockets of you know, um, cool people. <laughs> there are pockets of, um, I mean, weird people, uh, who, who get it, who I, and I guess it's like just a thing of like, uh, it really depends what kind of things people consume growing up. I think that's a huge part of it. And I think for mainstream Malaysia, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not that, uh, so it's been very hard, I would say, for me. And the stuff that you're producing um, for online consumption, so the the videos that you have on Instagram, um, the videos that you have on YouTube, do you know where your audiences for that are coming from? Um, I guess I would say mainly like urban KLites. Okay. Yeah, urban PJ KLites, like middle class slightly affluent um kind of urban millennials even though that's a even though that's a dirty word to say now but <laughs> hmm, that's interesting why why is it a dirty word millennials maybe like five ten years ago we used to be like the shit you know we were the hot stuff right but now we're like you know we're we're uh <laughs> we're becoming less relevant yeah and our gen z is kind of taking our place um and of course i mean like we did, like, like millennials, you know, um, many, making fun of our parents, you know, uh, Gen Z is not making fun of us. <laughs> yeah. And that's how it's become a dirty word. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, when I sort of first started working, uh, all of the advertisers, everybody was like, how are we going to get millennial audiences? Mm. How are we going to reach millennials? And now it's just like, who cares about you guys? <laughs> Honestly, I feel like millennials have the worst end of the deal, honestly, because our parents and their parents before that, you know, they could get a house easily. Um, they they could get jobs easily, you know, and but like for and for Gen Z's, you know, they're so kind of like liberated and they feel so empowered. And we're like somewhere in the middle where we're like sometimes, you know, we feel, um, you know strong but then like most of the time we're just like just fucking anxious people <laughs> who can't buy houses that's just sad it's sad yeah. but i guess i mean i guess the good thing is we won't live long enough to see climate change uh kind of you know destroy all our lives i mean we'll see like bits of it i guess but i think our, i mean our kids now and their kids are really gonna have a hard time surviving the planet i would say <laughs> let's be real <laughs> See, this is what happens when you talk to the pessimists right so yeah so um <laughs> no, it's, it's true uh you've been on the scene on the comedy scene in malaysia for quite a while yeah. and even yeah. even before um even before your 2019 show, Introvert, I mean, you've been performing since at least 2012. 
um, also yes. outside of Malaysia in New Zealand as well, um, but not consistently. Since your last show, Introvert, you have now been producing quite a lot on your own terms. Um, so what's, what changed um, in that period after Introvert until now? Um, so, like, in, uh, honestly, it was just, like, uh, life. Because, listen, up to this day, I don't make a lot of money from comedy. And, and so, like, back then as well, like, it couldn't support me month to month. So I had to get a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And I'm not someone that can easily handle a lot of things at once. So, um, you know, when my full-time job got too much or kind of took up too much space, uh, or time or energy, uh, that's when it affected my comedy. And that's when you kind of see like the huge gaps in between, uh, my comedy career. It's because I, I, I wasn't able to kind of focus mm-hmm. solely on that. Yeah. And what changed was that, uh, I, I lost my job due to, due to the pandemic and I just had, you know, the time and the energy and the space to like, um, you know, look at comedy every day. And that's why, you know, through the pandemic, like, um, that's where all that content has been coming from. Yeah. And I also think the, the context of the pandemic, the fact that you're an introvert, the fact that you like to make comedy that sort of sends up your own social awkwardness or perceived social awkwardness, it also feels like there's been a lot of material Mm. for you to play with in these last two years. Yes. I mean, listen, like at the beginning of the pandemic, it was very funny because like everyone was like, oh no, like I can't stay at home for all for like one week straight and see nobody. Uh, but you know, for someone like me, it's like, bro, that's like, that's what I was doing before the pandemic. You know what I mean? So like, that, that's just life. That, yeah. Like, I mean, but yeah, it's like, that's what I was doing before the pandemic. And that's what I'm going to be doing after. Like, it's, it was just funny. I mean, um, obviously now it's got less funny cause it's just like, you know, everyone's tired and like, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it still helps though. It still helps like seeing your material and making light of this crazy situation we found ourselves in and the impact that it's had so far beyond what we could have ever. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. I think I was fortunate enough that I'm kind of, I was kind of built for it um, in the sense that you know, before the pandemic in, in whatever you guys call normal life, I don't actually thrive in, in, in normal life. You know, like I don't do crowds. I, I don't, um, you know, go out unnecessarily. And so, you know, like the new normal, whatever the new normal means for most people is, was kind of like what I was built for anyway. Mm -hmm. It's your preferred normal. Yeah. Like I don't really go out except if it's like, into nature you know like that's that's my preferred kind of outside space um and I'm I'm completely kind of comfortable being at home so when you want to be creative 
when you want to write, for example, or you want to think about the next uh, piece of comedy work you're going to create, where do you go? Is there a kind of space that appeals most to you? Do you mean for like stand up or for the kind of online content? For the well, for either. Is there a difference? Um, I think, you know, the online content is very on the ball. It's very like whatever's happening in the moment and you just have to like respond to it immediately. So for online content, it's just like whatever is happening, um, you know, cause the news changes so fast every day. Um, you know, um, I think for, for up, it's more kind of just like things I experience, things that happen to me, things I go through, I, you know, just, um, kind of like everyday things really. Cause I think that's what all comedians do anyway. They just take everyday things uh, that we all go through, but that no one really kind of breaks down or analyzes and mm-hmm. we just, yeah. And that's what we do really. So, yeah. Um, I think it's interesting that most of your work, well, a lot of your work is trying to find the, almost absurd in these everyday things and and making that funny. Um, Cultural identity or racial identity doesn't play a strong role in your work. Um, While it does for many comedians in Malaysia and also many comedians of color. Yeah. um, So is there a reason why it's just not something you're interested in? exploring does that go back to being a third culture kid where racial identity is not a big deal yeah like growing up you know when I think of kind of my identifiers I would just not think about my race or even my nationality Mm -hmm. I would I can think of a million other okay a handful other kind of identifiers that I would use to you know introduce myself yeah like I don't I don't really um see myself tied to a certain kind of race or racial experience but of course that's probably because I I didn't um, have a concentrated dose of it growing up right it was pretty diffused I was exposed to lots of different cultures and races and nationalities and I kind of got to create my own kind of system of belief and then you know yeah like I guess a part of it is also like a slight rebel rebellion against um, most of the content that Malaysian comedians do talk about you know it, there's this like kind of like come on guys we can we can we can explore other topics you yeah. know so uh you know it's it's just me kind of like subtly rebelling and wanting to like not do you know what everyone else is doing because just personally like there's only for me for me as an audience like there's only so many times you can hear race jokes um and i feel like it's also it also plays into like you know there it also plays into the whole racism cycle like if you're perpetuating those stereotypes you know and if you it's you can't pass it off as casual racism it's just racism you know so in it i don't i don't really want to be a part of that it it kind of goes back to what i said earlier you know like there's a whole fucking universe out there that's you know waiting for us why should we just limit ourselves to, you know, making fun of Malay people or because they're Malay, you know? Yeah. I mean, Make fun of them because 
I don't know. I don't know. Because they do something else that's weird. I mean, I think also it goes beyond just the Malaysian context, right? Um, if you look at a lot of comedy, particularly comedy by non-white comedians internationally, um, race, and then also some of the stereotypes that people mm. associate with um, yeah. those races are a big theme. And um, and I agree that maybe maybe it's time to move beyond that, right? I understand why it's important to send up those stereotypes and break them down. Um, but at the same time, maybe, maybe now we've seen enough of it and it's the, mm. it's time to move beyond it. Yeah. But I think even in Malaysia, we haven't reached that stage where we're trying, when they tell jokes about, you know, races, they don't try and break down those stereotypes. They, they just perpetuate them. So it's always like, Oh, Oh, you're an Indian person. Okay. Better be careful. Cause I think you have a knife on you. And it's like, you know, so I don't think we've even got to that stage where we try and break it down. Um, so, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll get there one day. I mean, to be honest with you, there, you know, there's um, pockets of the young comedians who do explore uh, more than just race. And I mean, definitely that shouldn't go uncredited. Yeah. So what are the things at the moment that you're most interested? What are the themes that you're most interested in exploring? in your work? Ooh, gosh. I mean, I'm a huge like pop culture person. So this is, this is like an ongoing thing for me. I love talking about anything pop culture. I have to say that it doesn't really fly so well in Malaysia unless it's a very mainstream pop culture thing. Um, otherwise, yeah, it just goes back to kind of, um, what we're all experiencing, what I'm experiencing. Um, like for example, a lot of accounts out there that just focus on like, uh, you know, being a corporate slave. <laughs> um, and so, because like right now I'm going through job interviews and stuff, uh, it's, you know, like I would say that's something that interests me now because it's part of my experience now. Yeah. The other series that you've done, um, and are still working on, I saw you just, um, uh, posted a video today about this is when you take on different situations from the perspective of certain zodiac signs. Um, <laughs> I really love that. And also kind of leaning into some of the cliches that are associated yeah. with those signs. What is your sun sign? I'm a Libra sun. You're a Libra sun. So you, you are going to have a birthday soon. No. Yes, I'm going to have a birthday soon at the end of September. Okay. My husband is also a, a Libra. Um, October? No, also the end of September, the 29th. Ooh, stop it. Mine too. Really? Ah. Ah. So you and I are incredibly well matched. I'm a Gemini. Stop it. Yes. Geminis and Libras are a very harmonious combination. Nice. So, but do you know your moon and rising? No, I don't. So that is what I was going to ask you now. Do you believe in astrology? Um, up to a point, I'm going to say it's a short answer. Um, you know, it's not my religion, but, um, you know, I'm open to it. Okay. What is your moon and your rising? So, um, do, do you want me to explain what they are? Yes. Or, okay. So every person has an, in, has, has what's called a birth chart. Mm-hmm. And that's what the sky looked like 
the moment you were born. So uh, it's it's the sun, the moon, and all the planets. And it's basically the constellation at the moment you were born. So um, you have a sign for every planet. And you know your sign for the sun because that's the where the sun was when you were born. It was in Libra, the constellation Libra. But the moon, the moon could have been in any of the other signs. Um, and, you know, Mercury, Mars, Venus, up to Pluto. And so does that make sense yeah, so far? Yeah. Okay. But your rising sign is basically um, the, the sign that was kind of on the eastern horizon the moment you were born. Okay. And that can be anything or is it always the next sign in the zodiac? It changes every two minutes. Oh, okay. So then yeah. the actual minute that you were born is really important. Yes. That's why your birth chart is down to your minute and to your location. Because it's going to be different for everyone. So sun signs change every 30 days according to the month. Moon signs change every two days according to the moon's rotation. And rising signs every two minutes. So uh, my moon sign is Taurus mm-hmm. and my rising sign is Aquarius. Okay. And what does that mean about you? <laughs> so my moon sign um is Taurus is an earth is an earth sign and uh we're very stable emotionally um and we like to kind of uh feel secure like financially financial security um but that's also because we like the finer things in life okay so we know, so we know that we need to be stable to like afford them <laughs> and we're very kind of consistent like there's no drama with Taurus moods um you know you won't we won't fly off in a rage um yeah we're, we're quite even tempered mm-hmm. so your moon sign has to do with your emotion your emotional world yeah and um your sun sign has a lot to do with your identity mm-hmm. Um, and your rising sign is really, it's two things, really. It's kind of like the, the first impression that others get of you when you meet them. Um, but it's also kind of how you experience reality. And it's actually very important for your entire birth chart. Okay. And I don't know how much you want to get into it, but I would recommend you like putting in your birth time and location into a calculator online and finding out your rising and yeah. signs. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, on the one hand, you said you're very interested in pop culture and your work really revolves around pop culture and astrology has become so much a part of pop yes, culture yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, recently. So uh, yes, I would certainly recommend to anybody listening to check out some of the clips that you've made on Instagram, particularly about uh, star signs, putting their star sign on their CV. Yeah. <laughs> but I would say like, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's still hard to do that in Malaysia. I would say for sure. Yeah. Um, it doesn't get as much engagement as kind of making fun of the government, I would say. Um, and I guess it's just where headspace yeah. is, you know, it's there yet. Yeah. It's not there yet. You also talk a lot about yourself in, in your work. You're very vulnerable and personal. Um, that's something that I find quite difficult. And it's interesting that despite the fact that you're an introvert, you seem to be quite comfortable talking about personal things publicly. 
So how did you overcome that? Or has it just always come naturally to you? Okay. Yeah. I mean, honestly, for, okay. It's, it's, it's quite layered really because like as an introvert in my kind of like personal relationships, yes, I don't reveal a lot except to certain people. I have a lot of walls up and um, I'm not an open book, but it's different when you're standing on stage because it's kind of like, you know, you're talking to, it's a, it's a one-way conversation, right? I mean, it's not even a conversation. It's just a one-way monologue. And, um, you know, you're talking to everyone. And so at the same time, no one, you're really just talking into this, into the space. So there's an aspect of that, that kind of, uh, makes it feel less, uh, kind of high stakey, if that makes sense, you know? That's very interesting because there's actually quite a lot of comedians will say that they're actually introverted and Mm. that physical space standing on front of stage in front of a whole lot of people allows them to be personal because it feels more anonymous than just talking to one person. Mm. Whereas for many people, it's the opposite. So I find that you know, interesting. Is that because you're an introvert? Is it because you're a comedian? Is it because you're a performer? There's something about you that feels more I mean, you have to remember that you have to remember that being an introvert doesn't mean that you're shy. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, even Beyonce, like Beyonce identifies as an introvert when she's off stage, but when she's on stage, she has a whole different kind of stage persona. And I think all comedians have that. Um, I would say maybe especially the the introverted ones, um, but you know, because it's part of performing where you're, you know, you you have that kind of um, extra layer of I don't know armor or protection or performance that kind of plays into it. Um, but I mean, you get a whole range of comedians. You do get comedians not here that kind of just get on stage and talk really quietly and don't move around. And, and I mean, that might even be a persona though. So, so do you have a preference for performing comedy live on stage or making comedy for the screen? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> I'm definitely, uh, I prefer screen comedy for sure. I was always kind of into television comedy. I think was my kind of ultimate goal maybe. And I prefer screen to stage for sure. Mm-hmm is that you know the stage helps you in a, in a lot of different ways and um it, they kind of they kind of co- they can coexist for sure yeah yes definitely and being on stage and the liveness teaches you so much about performance in general um but speaking of which you like many of the world's best comedians spent time in New York studying improv. Yeah. Uh, what was that like and what learnings from that uh, have you taken into your work? It was great. It was a beautiful time. Um, <laughs> it was it was a beautiful time. I mean, I, I was, like, as a late teenager, early adult, I was just drawn to New York. I mean, I guess as most people are, but it was just something about that city that I knew that it was mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I knew that I had to go there and I guess, 
you know, because towards the end of my degree, like I, like I said before, I had understood that I was more of a kind of comedy drawn person. And, um, I guess when you, when you want to kind of pursue comedy, a good, a good kind of stepping stone is studying improv in New York yeah. or Chicago. It's like, it's part of the whole story. So now, and you know, being young and like, um, naive, I was like, I'm going to do exactly that. It's like a trope, right? Yeah. So I was like, yes, let's live the trope. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and it was great. I mean, improv is <laughs> improv is a very beautiful art form because I'm not someone that is spontaneous. I'm not someone that, you know, um, acts fast. Uh, I guess it plays into the whole introvert thing or also, like, my whole kind of personality type. is like I don't make moves unless... I've thought them out thoroughly, Mm -hmm. but improv is, you know, you just have to be present and you just have to listen to, uh, what your body is telling you and also what the other person is saying to you. And I think those are just great life lessons in general, being present and listening and just, um, accepting as well, because yeah, the first rule of improv is yes and. So you can't control the situation. You can't have a preconceived notion of where this yeah. uh, this scene is going to go. You just have to be totally <laughs> Which is there. terrifying. Yeah, terrifying. It's terrifying, but also very beautiful if you think about it. Yeah, um, really amazing work comes from improv. But also in life, I think the practice of stepping out into a space and just having to respond in the moment, having to say yes and to whatever is thrown at you and really having to listen is just good practice in vulnerability and and releasing control, uh, I think. It's just like it's just getting out of your head and into your body, really. Yeah. And. You know, improv, it also helps you as a, like a single comedian as well. Like when you're on stage, uh, even in life, like things don't go as, as you plan them to. And, you know, um, it helps if you can just be able to go with the flow and think of something on the spot. Yeah. So what is your writing process like? When you're writing, let's talk about this in two ways. Like, what is your writing process like for a solo performance? And what is your writing process like for video content? Video content um, is quite easy in the sense that I don't put out long videos Mm -hmm. But to be fair, it's actually quite hard to pack a punch in 15 seconds. So actually, let's let's not make that an easy task. It's actually, sometimes it's hard. Oh, okay. So, oh my gosh. I don't know. Actually, a lot of the online content is because they're so short. and It's a lot of me just riffing with myself on mm-hmm. the spot. So um, I'm a huge riffer. So it's not very scripted, I would say. Like, uh, I have an idea of what I'm going to say, and then I just just kind of um let it fly while i do Mm -hmm. it writing stand-up is more structured for sure uh i kind of just start with ideas little like sometimes like little one-liners come to you or you know like um a funny moment happens uh and you you really just have to write them down and then you start with like a line a line that says something like you know uh, it could be something random like 
a bird shot on cat. And then you just go from there and you, you kind of just write it out into a bit. Um, and the thing with stand up is like, you have to say it. You have, I mean, part of the process is actually saying it on stage with, to know whether it's working or not. Yeah. And then, and then you kind of have to go back and refine it. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a more drawn out process. What kind of things uh, right now are fueling your creative process? What are you, are you working on anything right now? It's just, it's just a little, little, little videos. Yeah. Um, so like, that's just, um, something that is about kind of keeping up to date with whatever's happening. It's, it's really like a muscle really. Cause like, um, the more you do it, the easier it is for you to kind of like, uh, respond to things that are happening. So, um, yeah, just working on, on those little videos. I wanted to, I was thinking of staging introvert again, but I needed, um, like the funding for it. And I applied for, for a fund, uh, for a grant, sorry. And, but I didn't get the grant. Yeah. So I would say concentrating more on, on screen than stage at the moment. So, Sort of to wrap up, if you were to go back in time and give a piece of advice to the much younger you, um, maybe the one who had just finished studying at Victoria in Wellington, what would you tell her? <laughs> well, okay, so she had finished studying, mm-hmm. yeah. Because if, if she had started studying, I would tell her definitely don't study theater. <laughs> conversation but sure she's gone through the degree i would tell her to definitely stay in new zealand um i think her life would look very much different uh to what it is right now possibly even kind of just in a place where maybe you know her career aspirations could have been uh slightly more fulfilled um yeah is that did you want something more inspiring? (laughs) (laughs) This is the thing, like, it's like, you know, this goes back to what we started talking about, like, just like life is a struggle, pessimism. And it's true. Like I, I'm going to be that person who will insert like negative real things into conversations, but it's also just like, cause I, you know, cause I'm a comedian, like it's, you know, nothing, I don't, nothing's too serious. And I, I can still laugh at it. Like, I think I'm going to be honest with you. I think I made a huge mistake leaving New Zealand and, but it's kind of like, eh, you know, it's like, I can still laugh. About and it, it doesn't matter anyway. Right. Like we're just, it doesn't matter. We're just, anyway. little, yeah. we're all just going to be space. Exactly. We're just little dots <laughs> floating around <laughs> in the universe. It really does not matter. Yeah. You still think it's important to be a good person if none of it really matters anyway? Yeah, because like, you know, like I said, we're all struggling, we're all suffering and, you know, none of us wanted to be here. Um, so 
there's like a kindness in kind of being good to each other. You know yeah. what I mean? No, I like that. I think that's... It's not our fault. It's really not our fault that we're here. So let's not take it out on each other. Like we're all suffering and it, it pays to kind of just, you know, um, we don't have to help each other through it. You know what I mean? I mean, of course, that's the best thing to do, but you can even just help by not being a bad person. Yeah, I agree. I think one thing that's really um, that I have thought about a lot in the past few years, and I think COVID has might, has intensified this, is um, yeah. that it's important to leave this life having made a small positive impact in somebody else's, and it doesn't have to be a big thing. Yeah. But what is this world and what is this life all for? if if that's not what we're doing yeah 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 and on that no <laughs> let's get drunk no i'm kidding <laughs> oh life since Luita has literally just left me speechless, I guess that's all for me this week. Please subscribe to The Purpose Effect on Apple Podcasts or follow if you're listening on Spotify. And I'll be back next week. Bye.